Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 62, being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Well, today we are going to visit with Brevin Knight. He's our friend of the program, recurrent friend of the program. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the Grizzlies preseason so far. Grizzlies right now standing at 3-1 and one after a Monday night victory over the Detroit Pistons. That followed a Saturday night loss at home to the Atlanta Hawks. Grizzlies have two more games in the preseason, both of them on the road. They will play Wednesday night uh, in Indiana, and then they will wrap up the preseason on Friday in Chicago. And then on October the 20th, Wednesday, it'll be the season opener. The Grizzlies will take on the Cleveland Cavaliers before going west for a crucial road trip that will include the Clippers, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, and the Golden State Warriors. Grizzlies did get hit with a dose of bad news on Tuesday as there was an update on Dylan Brooks' medical condition. Dylan Brooks did have a fractured hand over the summer, and we did see him with a cast on his hand at Summer League. Dylan was asked after the first day of practice, how do you feel? He says, I'm really not worried about it. It feels fine. Everything's good. Dylan had not played in the first four preseason games. The listed reason was a thigh issue. Uh, In fact, when the media talked with Taylor Jenkins before the Detroit game on Monday night, Taylor Jenkins said we were thinking about, well, maybe he could play, but we're trying to be prudent with the thigh injury. There was no mention of a hand at all. Apparently, there was some subsequent imaging that had been done, I guess, just to confirm whether or not that hand was ready for competition. And now word is that he will be reevaluated in two to three weeks. So trying to read between the lines, it seems that the, he feels it's fine, but there's imaging that uh, casts some doubt on the self-diagnosis that he's ready to roll. So the Grizzlies will be out Dylan Brooks two to three weeks. So that probably takes them, because uh, we're looking at uh, you know mid-October now, that potentially takes him out. Well, we'll take him out at, out of that West Coast road trip. So you're talking about that big West Coast road trip I mentioned, Clippers, Lakers, Trailblazers, and Warriors. It's going to take him out of that. So uh, Grizzlies are going to have to figure out a way. Now, they've been fine in the preseason. That has not been an issue, uh, even without Dylan Brooks available to the Grizzlies. They have been very, very good even without him. And uh They'll just have to have other guys pick up the slack. And, uh, you know, just going back and looking at Saturday's game against the Atlanta Hawks, neither team shot it particularly well. Uh, Grizzlies had a 10-point lead in this, but it was never really a secure 10-point lead. Both teams shot less than 40% from the floor. Grizzlies just 10 of 45 from three. Only shot five free throws for the entire game. And uh, it was Atlanta coming out with a 91-87 win. Uh, at FedEx Forum on Saturday. Uh, That was a game where most of the starters sat. Desmond Bain started. uh, DeAnthony Melton, who may well now be a starter with Dylan Brooks out for the next couple of weeks. 
they started along with Clark Tillman and Tyus Jones. Um, Zaire Williams did play in that game. However, uh, Steven Adams did not play. Rest. Kyle Anderson did not play. Rest. Jaron Jackson Jr. did not play. Rest. John Morant did not play. Rest. So even without a lot of their key guys, Grizzlies held their own against an Atlanta team. They were a little shorthanded as well. Clint Capella did not play in this ball game. Did not, nor did Trey Young or DeLon Wright. Uh, but the Grizzlies did get a good look at, at John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter in the starting lineup. Danilo Gallinari, Cam Reddish, Lou Williams coming off the bench in that game. So uh, that was just an interesting game because uh, Grizzlies sat more guys than Atlanta did, and the Grizzlies gave uh, Atlanta a pretty good game, all things considered with that. And back on Monday, the Grizzlies go back and they get more of what would you you would anticipate would be their starting lineup. Uh Morant and Bain in the backcourt, Adams in the middle, Jaron Jackson Jr. Then John Conchar got a start at small forward. It was the first time regular season, preseason in the NBA that John Conchar got a start in a game. Uh, Grizzlies were a little sieve-like defensively in the paint to start this one, but then after that they battened down the hatches. And even with that, the Grizzlies had a 34-27 lead after one quarter, basically because the Pistons couldn't stop fouling and the Grizzlies couldn't stop going to the free throw line. In fact, they had more free throws attempted in the first quarter of that game than they had in any quarter of the regular season last year. Grizzlies ended up shooting 25 free throws for the game, most of those coming in the first quarter, shot 88% from the free throw line. This was a this was a solid game for the Grizzlies all the way around, shot 46% from the floor, 54 in the paint, 23 forced turnovers for 27 points. Did not let Sadiq Bey, and Sadiq Bey did tweak his ankle, by the way, in the course of this game. Did not let Sadiq Bey get off. Killian Hayes just had a miserable, miserable night. Just two of nine shooting. Only was on the floor for 22 minutes because he had some foul trouble uh, in that ball game. This is a Pistons team that they're, they're, they did not have Cade Cunningham, did not have Jared Cunningham in this ball game, And... Uh, they're they're going to struggle until they get everybody back together and they figure out what Cade Cunningham can really mean for this basketball team. Um, by way of review of the Pistons game, we're we're going to get to Brevin in, in in a minute and we're going to get his thoughts on where the Grizzlies are in the preseason. Let me give you my preseason thoughts, and I'm going to talk basically about three guys, and I think everything begins and ends with John Morant. I don't think there's any question about that. There were times last year, and maybe even in his rookie year as well, that Morant could be deferential. He was trying to set up his teammates. He was trying to be a good teammate. He was trying to be a good leader by being a good teammate and by getting his teammates involved. There were some quarters where he would go off for 10, 12, 14 points in a quarter, and then there were other quarters where he might only take one shot. And so there was kind of this roller coaster with John Morant through last season where there were quarters where you weren't really sure that he was on the floor and he wasn't impacting the game necessarily. What we're seeing now in the preseason is a better John Morant. And from my chair, the reason that I say that it is a better John Morant, it is a more consistent John Morant. It's not one quarter trying to be facilitator, next quarter trying to be uh, the, the man. He can be the man all he wants. He does not to be defer, does not need to be deferential. In fact, you know, and if, if Dylan Brooks is going to be out for two to three weeks, I think even more of the scoring burden falls on John Morant. John Morant has brought a consistency of performance, 
I don't want to say consistency of effort. I think his effort has always been there. But consistency of production is what we've seen from John Morant in the preseason. We have seen him unveil some new moves. We have seen him hit mid-range jump shots with frequency, with confidence. Used to be once he got inside the arc, everything was a floater. Well, now a foul line jumper. He can hit those. He has the ability to do that. So when you look at the prospects for this Grizzlies team going into the 21-22 NBA season, a lot of it is going to revolve around Jaron Jackson. I'll get to him in a minute. But John Moran is still the guy. He is the alpha. And when you are an alpha, you have to be an alpha every minute you are on the floor. You can't take some time and say, well, okay, now I need to get so-and-so involved or I need to do this or I need to do that. No, you just need to go out there and kick some butt. And I think that's the mindset that's the mindset that Ja has always had, but it hasn't always manifested itself on the court. And he now has the confidence and the athletic ability and the basketball IQ to be the dominant force on this team. And I think that as he goes forward in his career, he needs to impose his will on the other team at all times. That needs to be where his mind space needs to be. And it's been there in the preseason. He has been dominating in the paint. He has been fantastic on the fast break. Uh, He's not trying to dunk everything. He's just making smarter basketball plays. And I think it's part of the natural evolution. We knew that he was a supremely gifted athlete. We knew that he had a fantastic basketball IQ. But now we're starting to see him really knock off maybe some of the, the few rough edges that he had and bring that effort, bring that productivity, Every single minute he's on the floor, his plus minus numbers are, are are just ridiculous. I mean, he was plus 36 against the Detroit Pistons. I know preseason. I know Pistons, not very good, but still plus 36. I don't care who you're playing against, when you're playing against them. Plus 36 is pretty doggone good. I've been very, very impressed with John Morant. I knew that we were going to be very favorable with how he was playing the game, but I did not expect this level of production with this level of consistency at this point. If he can do this in the regular season on a consistent basis, like Brevin Knight said during the telecast on Monday night, the rest of the NBA, y'all in trouble. The other piece is Jaron Jackson Jr. And And we've talked about this, and Brevin and I will talk about this in the conversation you're going to hear in a moment. Everybody is impatient with Jaron because the promise is there. The ability to hit threes, the ability to drive the ball to the bucket, the ability to handle, the ability to go into the post, the ability to cut, the ability to dunk, the ability to rebound. It's all there, but he hasn't been available. Some of it has been health. Some of it has been foul problems. Only 11 regular season games last year, playoff series. Had a 21-point game in, in Game 4 against the Utah Jazz. So you, you saw some flashes there from Jaron Jackson Jr. about what he can be. Having said that, I think his game against Detroit was one of the better all-around games that we've seen from him in quite a while. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, a block shot. Shot 50% from the floor, 50% from 3. Only took 6. And for me, I mean, unless he's red hot and really feeling it, Six or seven threes might be kind of the, the, the golden zone for, for Jaron in terms of threes in a game. So took 14 field goals, eight inside the arc, 
six outside the arc, decent balance. Big reason why the Grizzlies went for 54 paint points. Got to the free throw line four times. That's good. Eight rebounds. He's he, Last year, I think he averaged just under six rebounds a game. Now, again, small sample size because it was 11, pre, 11 uh, regular season games in the playoffs. He's averaging right around six rebounds. He's averaging over seven rebounds in the preseason. Yes, I know. Preseason, yes, I know small sample size. But we'll take little victories when we can. If you get the Jaron Jackson that you had against the Detroit Pistons, and if he can have that level of productivity, again, the NBA is going to be in trouble because Ja and Jaron, I think, I think are on the cusp of really showing how good they are. If you have John Morant play at this level all year long, he is going to be in the all-star game. Jaron's going to be in the all-star conversation. And I think that's kind of where I would see this duel headed. Ja, all-star. Jaron might be just on the outside looking in, but at least he will be in the conversation. And I think that that is going to be very important for this Grizzlies team going forward. Finally, I'm going to get to Brandon Clark. And Brandon Clark was a guy last year who... And Brevin and I will talk about this in in our conversation in in a little bit. Brandon, in his second year, looked a little tentative, looked a little bit like he was thinking more than playing. And at the NBA level, you you, you almost can't think. Everything has to be instinctual. Because if you you pause for even half a second, you're going to get beat. Or you're not going to beat your man to the spot. Or you're not going to beat your man to the rim. So... What has happened with him, and just looking at his body language, looking at the level of communication that he is engaging in with his teammates on the defensive end of the floor, it's like, I want to say it's like he's a different guy, but this is Brandon Clark now, I think, fully grasping what it means to be an NBA player. He got away with being a little bit of a surprise and an athletic freak in his rookie season. Second season, people started to figure him out. Uh, and, and I don't know that he responded in necessarily the, the most productive way. What I'm seeing now is he is responding in a very, very productive way. And he uh, is a guy who can be a difference maker. This was somebody who was essentially out of the rotation late last year and in the playoffs, barely played in the Utah series. Might have been matchups. Might have been just Taylor Jenkins going with his gut. But the fact of the matter is that Brandon Clark was really not part of the rotation. But the last couple of games, he's played well. 10-5 and five, uh, against the Detroit Pistons on Monday night. In the Atlanta game, as I said, he got a start. He went for uh, 16 points, 6 boards, a couple of block shots. You get that from Brandon Clark on a consistent basis. You're going to have some really, really good things happen to you. So... Um, when you look at the preseason, a lot of positive things. Uh, obviously, you're 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 not real happy with the Dylan Brooks injury, uh, and, but I think this is a team that can sustain, despite the fact that he's going to miss two to three weeks or will be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Who knows what that reevaluation will reveal? But you have guys playing with effort. You have guys playing with enthusiasm. I think they're playing with a, uh, an attention to detail, which is very very heartening after you've been through camp, and now you have been through four preseason games. And the Grizzlies are in in the relatively unusual space of playing six as opposed to four. 
I asked Taylor Jenkins specifically about that before the before the Pistons game because Atlanta's playing only four, Detroit's playing only four, but the Grizzlies are playing six. The preseason schedule is not determined by the NBA per se. It's it's not the league saying you're going to play these teams on such and such a date and, and you're going to play six, you're going to play five, you're going to play four, whatever. The teams basically decide, and it's the general managers and the, the basketball operations departments talking to each other, which is why you you know you, you don't have a West Coast road trip to play preseason games. That's, that's why you're playing Indiana and Chicago and Atlanta and Detroit and Milwaukee. You're, you're playing teams that are more or less in your region, and Charlotte, of course. Um, and Taylor Jenkins said, look, we realize that where our team is right now with our relative youth, and we're really trying to get this team to gel, we figured that six games provides us a better teaching opportunity than just four. If you only play four, you probably have more practice time, but what you really want is competition time. And so uh, the Grizzlies have made the decision to go six, and, and I, I fully support that. Now, having said that, uh, John, Jaron, and, and Kyle Anderson and some of the other regulars are, are not scheduled to play in the Wednesday night game at Indiana. Probably will play at Chicago. Taylor Jenkins indicating that Chicago would be a dress rehearsal for the regular season opener against the Cleveland Cavaliers on October the 20th. So those are my thoughts on the uh, preseason and where the Grizzlies are. And uh, I I think really they are in a good space. Obviously not thrilled with the fact that uh, Dylan's going to be out for a little bit. But like I said, this is a team that has depth. They've dealt with injuries before. And I think that they are going to be, I think they're going to be fine. It's still going to be hard. I mean, the schedule is brutal uh, really right out of the chute. And the Grizzlies are going to have to do their very best to try to tread water uh, against some very, very stiff competition while Dylan Brooks and his hand heal. Before we get to our friend of the program, let's give you this. This is the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. This is episode 62 being brought today by DraftKings Sportsbook. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so... This would, uh, you could file this under the category of no-brainer. Now, if Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager are required. One per customer. Restrict Applies. You DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we thank you for listening to this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. We hope that you will uh, rate and uh, review and share with your friends and hopefully become a subscriber as we head into Season 2, where we will go back to a two-episode-per-week schedule which means we'll bring you more great friends of the program. He is a recurrent friend of the program. He's one of my best friends in real life, not just on TV. He is Brevin Knight from Bally Sports Southeast and the Memphis Grizzlies. He is today's friend of the program. 
Revan, four games into the preseason. Grizzlies are three and one. All three victories, uh, pretty decisive victories. What have you liked from the Grizzlies so far here in the preseason? Well, I think I, the biggest thing I've liked is, is, of course, we all love how cohesive they are because they've been together. But the effort, they haven't just relied upon that cohesion, that camaraderie uh, to be the deciding factor in these games. They've gone out uh, and they've played harder than their opponents. The execution uh, has been there. And we've seen uh, kind of the norms that we expect from Grizzlies basketball in terms of hard, tough defense on one end, great hustle, good rotations. But we've seen their extra efforts, the rebounding and running. Points in the paint have been there. They're creating turnovers and scoring off of turnovers. I think the pace that, that they would like to play has been set uh, by John Morant with how hard his uh, the starts to games have been. And he has done a great job of, of leading that. Uh, but but I, I, I like that we've had also good individual play uh, in these four games. Finally got a, a complete game from Jaron and, and something I think that he can build on in there. Their, their last uh, preseason game um, against the Pistons. Uh, but but it's, it's, it's just – I think it's been a, a nice gradual progression game to game for this team. Now, John Moran, we know how spectacular he can be. We certainly saw it in the playoff series against the Utah Jazz. What have you seen in his game that has made you raise your eyebrow and go like, hmm, I think this kid's ready to take the next step? Well, the, the, the biggest thing is the, the mid-range jump shot. And, and I say jump shot because it's not just a floater. I thought last year he had done a great job with being able to knock down floaters. But uh, to begin this preseason, the level of comfort at which he is stepping into these shots off the dribble, whether they be threes, whether they be uh, mid-range jump shots, still getting to the rim with the highlight finishes uh, in that way. And, and uh, but the 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 thing outside of basketball is the non-basketball uh, intangibles that I always talk about, which are the guy that's going to come to the gym ready to play every day, and is he going to be an example for everyone else to follow? And I think that with the way that he has played in the three games that he's played in, he's shown that whenever the ball is thrown up and it's time to be on the court, it's about business, and it's about being in an, having an attack mentality and that is what uh, he has been able to do here early on is be in attack mode on both ends of the floor I like the way on the defensive end he is working to get through screens I know they'll have the times where they switch but but he's doing a better job of trying to get himself skinny to be able to now get the first that throw his his lead shoulder and arm through that screen to get back in front Uh, and then on the offensive end he's just been all downhill I, I think it's been a We've gotten a preview of what he worked on all summer uh, in terms of his skill. We see physically how good he looks. But I think just the, the leadership aspect of it is always something for young players that they continue to try to figure out, and I think he's on the right path. Jaron Jackson Jr., Brevin, obviously only 11 regular season games last year and then the playoff series against the Utah Jazz. Best game all-around game I think we've seen from him in a while in the preseason victory over the Detroit Pistons. Do we have to, as fans and observers, exhibit a certain level of patience with him because he was basically gone for most of last season 
and still trying to trying to get his timing and everything back. I know everybody wants him to be the unicorn and do everything all the time, but do we need to temper our expectations at least early until he gets into some type of rhythm? Uh, I think you would be uh, selling yourself short and selling him short. If you, if we expected that he was just going to jump out here and be the Jaron Jackson Jr. that, that we remember the guy that possesses the versatility on both ends to defend multiple position, block shots. We've seen him do a great job of that. Rebound, put the ball on the floor on the other end, shoot the three, play aside. We we all know what he's capable of doing. But he also hasn't played basketball regularly for two years. So it, it's, it's, it is only right that it's going to take a moment for him to get reacquainted with what it's like to play high-level NBA basketball. But the game versus the Pistons, I thought, was, as you said, his most complete game. We've had spots in the other preseason games where you see the dedication to wanting to get to the boards. There is not as much hanging on the perimeter as we've seen in the past these last couple of seasons. There is a lot more of him being aggressive to get rebounds and understanding that if they're going to play large number of minutes with him being the five on the floor, then rebounding was going to have to have to start to be a, a, uh, a necessary as a part of his game. And, and I think that just seeing his activity around the boards is something that is, is very crucial. And like you said, the Pistons game, we saw the rebounding, we saw the block shot. We saw just a second-line defender that can change and alter shots without fouling and then still be able to get on the backboards. And then the offensive game, but the inside-out inside came. And so I think for, for all fans, including ourselves, that we, we have to allow him the time to reacclimate himself to playing NBA basketball at this level, up and down the floor with an increased, uh, an increased amount of pressure, but also an increased amount of expectations for him as he moves forward. You all know that voice. That's Brevin Knight. He's our friend of the program today on the Grizz Weekly Grind as we break down the Grizzlies' first four preseason games, two more coming at Indiana and at Chicago before the season opener on October the 20th against the Cleveland Cavaliers at FedEx Forum. You can see it all on Valley Sports Southeast, a special one-hour pregame show that will start at 6 o'clock on Wednesday or on October the 20th. Uh, which is a Wednesday, by the way, uh, now that I look at it. Um, one, one of the guys, it, it's preseason for all of us. Um, one of the guys that last year was a head scratcher, I thought was Brandon Clark. First team, all rookie, sensational rookie year. And last year, Brevin, he looked a little tentative and maybe thinking the game too much and his playing time diminished as the season went on. But yet what we're seeing in, in the last couple of games in which he's had an opportunity to play. Of course, he didn't play in that short Milwaukee game. I'm seeing a bounce. I'm seeing a confidence. I'm seeing better body language and, and a reversion to, with even some improvement, what he did as a rookie. What are you seeing out there? Uh, I think you hit it on the head, partner. Uh, I thought last season um, there was a lot of indecision on – Am I going to be the guy that caught lobs, put the ball on the floor, got to mid-range, or am I going to be the guy that is picking and popping back to the three-point line? And I thought that little bit of indecision then also worked its way into affecting his confidence. Because when you're not 
or when you think that when you're thinking the game and then you're not having success while thinking the game and then now you're injured, it allows there to be more thoughts in your head. And the more thoughts in your head, the, the, the least uh, ability you have to go out and perform to the best of your ability by just reacting to the game. Uh, and I think what we've seen in this preseason is all of that has been put to the side where he has just been full force being himself, which is aggressive on both ends of the floor. And then on the offensive end, when he's gotten a three that he feels, he feels comfortable, he's shooting it without hesitation. But he's also doing a good job of putting the ball on the floor and getting to that inside the free throw line, little half hook, little push shot that I, I believe is such a weapon because no one in the league is able to slide and then jump as high as he can when he is coming downhill. And so I, I thought that last year was a combination of just a little bit of the confidence of what style of game he wanted to play combined with uh, not getting the same playing time and the injuries I thought really affected his game. But uh, coming back now, just like Kyle Anderson and for a lot of players, when you can go out and play freely and not have to try to play around injuries, then you're able to be more like yourself. And so I think because of those little nagging things are going, uh, really worked at his game, worked on his body, we're seeing a, a more confident, bouncy Brandon Clark. Got this for you, too. Um, obviously, people were brokenhearted to see Jonas Valanciunas leave. He was a fan favorite. You get Steven Adams. And for the Grizzlies fan population, by and large, he is public enemy number, maybe not number one, but he's certainly somebody that is uh, in the hall of, uh, hall of infamy when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> We've always seen him as an opponent. We're now seeing him as somebody with Grizzlies across his chest. I like what I see. I what has impressed me about him has been his passing ability. Maybe I just didn't recognize it when he was with, with Oklahoma city or, or with new Orleans, but I think that he's blended in pretty well. Oh, he's blended in great. And, and the passing ability that we're seeing is something is a skill set that he has, he has always had. And I had, I've had the opportunity to, to watch Stephen play since his college years when he was at Pittsburgh, because my brother recruited him was his assistant coach at Pittsburgh. So I watched him play a lot of the basketball games. And the one thing uh, that we would always talk about, my brother and I, with, about him was that he is much more skilled than people give him credit for. But he, that's just not his mentality to, of the, to the game in terms of being the aggressive offensive guy. Um, and, and so he was always a guy that had a, the basketball IQ and the acumen to be able to make plays with the ball in his hand and we, we even saw in there the preseason game versus the Pistons, we even saw a couple of low post moves from him on, on the interior. It's not something that the Grizzlies will go to on a regular basis, but it is something that they could use if needed. And so uh, the, the, the thing that I, that I like about Steven is he's going to continue to bring the physical play that the Grizzlies need on the interior. He gives them size. He's a great screen setter, and he's a, a good – defensive guy on the other end because even though he is a big guy he still moves his feet well so he he has he has will help them in terms of physicality and defense on the offensive end he will give them a guy if you drop the ball off finishes inside a couple of post moves but the ability to use him as a a offensive initiator from that high post the elbow or the middle 
uh, it allows there to be so much more room at the basket. So what he's been able to give, there's been a lot of backdoor cut and a lot of lead pass cuts where the offensive guy just has just a half a step, but you only need a half a step with a defender that is back t- back pedaling and while you're running forward. And so uh, I-, I think he's going to be fantastic for this team. Look, Valanchunas was terrific, and it was a double-double machine, and, and Stephen Adams won't be in that in that way. But for what we need and for what this team needs in order to continue to move forward, I think he's a, a perfect addition to, to this squad. Last thing for you, Brevin, news breaking that Sean Marks, the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, has said, look, Kyrie Irving can't be a part-time player. Because of the local rules in New York, an athlete must have at least one dose of a vaccine in order to participate. So rather than saying, okay, you can just play road games, Sean Marks is saying, look, if you don't, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to play. What kind of tension would a situation like that put in a locker room? You've been in the locker room. You've been in the position of being a team leader. You get a guy who presumably everybody else with, with the Nets is vaccinated, and one of your star guys like, no, I'm not going to do it, and as a result basically takes himself out of the equation for a team that is thinking championship how do you manage that in a locker room? Uh, you're you're happy that you have two other guys that that have been through it and are are two other superstars in this game to kind of keep the team together in the locker room. The, of course, management and Kyrie Irving, everyone, they'll have to deal with the situation at hand. Uh, but to have a Kevin Durant, have a James Harden, not just for their play and how good they are, but also guys that have been through just about every situation that you can go through. So you'll lean on them to, to be the leaders of your basketball team, but you would, you would like to not have the distraction and not in Sean Marks, not have to make that decision at all. Because the one thing that I always said was when, when you play a team sport, there is a, a level of sacrifice that you have to make as an individual, because there are others that are reliant upon what you do. And, and so in this instant, because this is that is the rule, you do play in a state where it says that you can't come into an arena if you don't have the vaccine for you to continue to. And for whatever his reasons may be, when you start to put that above the team, now you're, you're turning into an individual sport person. And that's not what basketball is. And so uh, I, for me, it would be you would hope that he could get on the same page with everyone else and. and so that he can be there and be present for them because they'll need him to, to make the run that they want to make. But if he's not, then you have to eliminate the distraction in some way because it becomes even harder for your team to play if you're having to answer that question every day that you come into the gym. And so I, 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 I give Sean Marks a, 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 a lot of credit for, number one, being able to Stand up and during this time and say, if he's not going, if he's not going to get the vaccination, then we're, he's not going to play at all. We got to figure out what the next steps are, and not allowing this to continue to just go on with without having any end in sight. Well, Brevin, I really appreciate the time, appreciate all the thoughts, and uh, nobody breaks down a game better than you do. And uh, thrilled that we will be back together for what is year number twelve for us. You're number 12, partner. You're stuck with me for a lot more years, so you just you just get ready for this ride. Hey, I'm, what, what, what's the old Huey Lewis in the news song? Uh, uh, I'm so happy to be stuck with you. No, we, 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 have, we have a great crew, and uh, with Rob Fisher, we are really looking forward. We are going to be 
on the road, full go, and we're really looking forward to it. And uh, Revan, I can hear you uh, putting some clubs in the bag, and I know you got a tea time. So I'm going to let you go and go hit them straight. It's a nice day in Memphis, so uh, may all your drives find the fairway and your putts find the bottom of the cup. Pardon, I appreciate you, and I will see you very soon. And a thanks to Brevin for stopping by to be our friend of the program today. Looking forward to uh, our first regular season telecast, which will be on Wednesday, October the 20th, 6 o'clock start time on Valley Sports Southeast with a one-hour edition of Grizzlies Live presented by your Mid-South Ford dealers. As you heard, final element of our conversation was about Kyrie Irving. The reporting after Brevin and I recorded that conversation indicated that Kyrie Irving is not necessarily anti-vaccination. He is not anti-science in this case. But the reason that he is not getting vaccinated is to protest the fact that there are municipalities like New York uh, and there are corporations and businesses that are putting in vaccine mandates. And so he is trying to show solidarity with those people because he doesn't believe in vaccine mandates. That's laudable in the sense that he's trying to stand up for a cause that he believes in. But if you're standing up against vaccine mandates, I'm not sure that's the stand that you want to take. And the way that I look at it is is essentially this. Let's say that you're an airline. You are going to want to have your people because they are in a customer service business. They are literally face-to-face with your customers. If you are an airline, you want your employees to be vaccinated. You do not want your employees to be in a position where they could transmit a potentially deadly disease to your customers. That is the absolute antithesis of customer service. So while I understand what Kyrie Irving is doing in order to take a stand in something in which he believes very strongly, okay, I get that. There's a reason for vaccine mandates. The vaccines work. And the reason that certain companies are putting vaccine mandates into place is to protect not only their employees, but also to protect their customers and therefore protect their business. That's my two cents. Uh, I, I, I hate that we're kind of going off on the on the vaccine thing again. But having been through what we've been through and having lost people who are near and dear to me to COVID, uh, I just feel very strongly that you should get the vaccine, protect yourself, protect the people around you, protect your loved ones. The easiest and best way to do it is to get vaccinated. And uh, as we also mentioned in that conversation, Sean Marks saying that Kyrie Irving can not be a part-time participant. He's going to have to either get the vaccine or he's not going to be playing for the Brooklyn Nets, and that puts a severe crimp, I think, in their championship aspirations. That does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.